Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Uh, push away a bit from the book of Proverbs, but share with you wisdom from the life of Jephthah. Wisdom from the life of Jephthah. I'd like, please, if you will, to turn to Judges chapter 11. The Bible is an interesting book. I, I said to you before that there are several divisions of the Bible. You have the prophetic scriptures. You have the poetic scriptures, which... Uh, in, uh, includes the book of Psalms and then you also have the uh, Pentateuch which is the five books of Moses and then the Gospels and then the Pauline Epistles but the scripture says that all scriptures is written for us as instruction that means we can learn from every part of scripture although the New Testament was written specifically for us to train us in the things of God and in the knowledge of the person of Christ but we can also learn from other passages of the scripture. So I'd like us to go to Judges chapter 11. We're just going to stay there in Judges chapter 11. And then we're going to read an interesting story about the man called Jephthah. And I'll bring out a few things. So we're going to read 10 verses. Judges chapter, one, chapter 11 and verse 1 to 10. I'll be using the New King James Version. Now, Jephthah... The Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. But he was the son of a halot. So I want you to note that. He was the son of a halot. If you can use the New King James better. But he was the son of a halot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Number two. Gilead's wife bore sons. And when his wife's sons grew up. They drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. It came to pass after a time, I'd like that phrase, it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel, and so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Verse 6. Then they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Then they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Seven. So Verse 7, sorry. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? Verse 8. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon, and be ahead over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Verse 9. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them to me. Shall I be your head? Verse 10. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to our words. Very interesting story and very, very profound. Filled with a lot of wisdom. 
The Bible is, is an interesting book because it contains not just the stories of perfect people, but it contains the story of imperfect people that the Lord walked through their lives. And Jephthah was one of them. The scripture says that Jephthah was the son of a harlot, meaning that you understand what that means. That means his background was not something to be proud of. His past was not something to reckon with. And as usual, people fought and people always have a way of reminding you of your past. So in verse 2, in case he didn't know, they reminded him that you are the son of another woman. And here we find Jephthah faced with life. And that happens to us. I can't assure you that everything in your life is going to be alright. Sometimes you are going to be faced with life. With a stark reality. Some circumstances will not be favorable. Maybe you're from a divorced home, you're a single parent. Your parents went apart. Your father does not want to see you. Your brothers hate you. Your mother hates you. Everybody hates you. It might be a product of something that you can't describe to people. And sometimes when we look into scriptures, it's easy to just see the perfect people who had everything all right. But we also know that God has hidden within the pages of scriptures for us the life of people who didn't get it all together. But at the end of their life, they made something out of their life. And those are the people I want to speak to this morning. Number one, wisdom we learn from Jephthah is you must learn to separate yourself from the environment of unbelief. Never go where people do not believe in you. Sometimes for us to be able to get to where we are in life, we need someone that believes in you. I can, I can always be grateful for my dad putting me in the ministry. Because from a very early age, he trusted me with spiritual responsibilities. Someone needs to believe in you. If you're in an environment where people do not believe in you, you need to walk away. Jephthah left to the land of Tob. And listen, when we say people who believe in you, we're not talking about wealthy people. Who were the guys that believed in Jephthah? The scripture calls them worthless men. But you know what happened? Here was Jephthah in his house. He couldn't get anything done. But when these worthless men gathered around him, he could become their leader. So what Jephthah needed was someone to believe in his abilities. The person doesn't have to be wealthy. You just need one man who believes on the call of God in your life. Amazingly, in the early days of ministry, when I left youth service and I started pastoring, my dad started giving me opportunities to do certain things. I remember my dad used to have a pastor's meeting, uh, a monthly pastor's meeting. And one of the greatest sacrifices my dad had done for me in ministry. My dad used to have a pastor's meeting. And sometimes he would just give me the opportunity to lead prayers or say something. Or say something. Anytime you guys called him, and a lot of pastors walked out on him because they felt I was too young to be given that opportunity. And my father asked a simple question. 
He said, if someone did not give you the opportunity at a point in your life, would you be where you are right now? The question was no. And my dad said, no. So we sh he shut down the forum. He shut down those meetings. And he said to me, very profound, I'd rather pour my life into you and know that I raised someone than be successful outside and have hundreds of pastors gather around me. And you can't find your feet in ministry. You need the man who believes in you. You need to believe in your wife. You need to believe in your husband. You need to believe in your children. They might not be as fantastic as other people, but the gift of trusting people, you need to give it to somebody. You need to. I challenge you this morning, let there be someone in your life that says, I'm where I am because this man believed in me. And if you are where they don't believe in you, walk away. You will never flourish in an atmosphere of unbelief. You will never flourish. Even Jesus could not perform miracles when his own people did not believe in him. Lack of belief in your potentials will stop your productivity. And that's very important. We learned that from the life of, Joseph, of, of Jephthah. Number two, from the life of Jephthah, we learn to never feel sorry about your situation. There's nowhere in this scripture we have read where Jephthah referenced his birth. Stop using your story as a ticket to other people's life. Every time you sit down, you're bringing your story. Every time you sit down, even people who are not aware of what you have gone through, you're always using your story because you feel is a source of sympathy. It is not. It is foolishness. If God has forgiven you your past, you move on. Jephthah never said, well, you know, my mother is a harlot, but I know who I am. He never referenced it. Incredible lessons again I learned from my dad. I remember one time, um, a guy who was involved in robbery was passing through our church, passing the front of our church. And when he got to the front of our church in worry, he got stuck. He couldn't move and the Lord asked him to come in. My dad was in the office, so the guy came in, gave his life to Christ, accepted the Lord, and handed over all the charms and everything they used for robbery and all the rest. He got born again. And then the next Sunday, he said he wanted to share his testimony. My dad says, what do you want to share? He says, I want to tell the people that I was a robber before, but I got born again. But that's it, no. Don't share it. He said, why? He said, when you share that testimony, people are not going to see you as born again. They are going to see you as a former robber. And every time they see you, they'll keep their phones far. You don't need it. He just shared it with the pastors. And I think there's wisdom there. Because today, that's what we see all over the place. You see people on television, even when you are delivering them, you're putting them all over you're putting their testimonies all over. And nobody's going to refer to them as they're born again. They're going to refer to them in their past life. You said that uh, demon-possessed woman. Ah, no, that's the demon. No, ah, no. Her face, look. Ah, I have the video. They just bring it. Nobody will know that you have been delivered. Sometimes this showmanship is just to tell people that we're powerful. That's why I like the song we sang this morning. I will be satisfied at the end if Jesus is glorified. Saints, if it's about him, it's not about us. If it is about us, it's not about him. 
as much as you can. Your past is not the gospel. That Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected is the gospel. You must learn to walk away from your past. Make a decision to, be, to move forward and become greater than your background. You have to make it. You have to decide it. You know, sometimes, I'll tell you this. You know, sometimes, even the people you feel, you know, like Paul, right? Like when he was Saul, he was a murderer. But the way that guy preached the gospel, at a point, he will tell you that, hey, come on. I was caught from my mother's womb. Like Paul, I can relax now. If you are lying, lying stages, this one is too much. I can't even cover your mother's womb. In his mind, he was so renewed to the knowledge of who he is in Christ that his past never entered his mind. The reason most of us go about, you know, ah, I used to walk in shell until they sacked me. If you see what I was wearing in those days, what I was eating, it's not now that we are struggling. We've heard that all over again. In fact, when we see you, you know, that was the man that was sacked from chair. That was 20 years ago. Move on. make sure that you move on make sure that you advance that you go beyond your past don't use your past as a scorecard for sympathy you will never grow you were raped sad incidents shouldn't happen never endorsed but receive the grace of god and the ability of god and move on you used to be a thief excellent stop stealing paul says he that used to steal should stop stealing and walk with his hands that means there's a second chance for you you used to be a womanizer move on you used to have a job look for something to do if you do not move past your own past you will never be effective in the future that god wants you to have so from jephthah we learn that you must move from your past number three move with the people that believe in you even if they don't have anything the scripture says he got bandless um, worthless men together and began to read with them learn to walk with people who believe in you they may not have material resources but faith is contagious I just finished my first book for the year and i remember i sent something to one of our leaders in church and he made a statement and that day the statement really got to me he said never second guess your writing ability because i'll tell you this i've written five books six books but i never feel that i write very well i mean people who read my work say it's profound but i i have many books but after writing i was like oh, man this is not good enough and i'll tell you the reason that's why sometimes it's very important what you say to people my first year in school, I wrote 100 level, excited, getting into the university. I wrote the, I wrote the whatever, 10 paper they gave us. And my lecturer just looked at it and shook, shook it like this. Ah, Ogaga, this is not English. Ah. In fact, you know, since that day, I just lost a bit of ability in my ability to write. And it happens to us. Sometimes life happens. I wonder if my, that lecturer had said something different i just wonder probably maybe i wasn't writing english whatever it was because i'm a village boy but maybe he would have said may you're writing your language maybe you can try to write maybe say it better 
But you need to walk with people who believe in you. You don't need to walk with people who compare your ability with someone else. You know, there will be people who would always do things better than us. You know, sometimes I listen to some Bible teachers, I'm like, wow! When will I get there? You understand that? I remember going to South Africa to preach with my dad. He was in a conference. He, was preached the, he preached the first day. If you listen to my dad, he's a fantastic teacher. So the second day I was to preach. So I was at the back where the ministers were sitting to come forward. And one of the guys just came to me and said, Ah, oh, you know, in a loving manner. Ah, you have very big shoes to feel. So I turned to him. I said, No, I came with my own shoes. I don't teach like my dad. He's an excellent teacher. But at the point, I needed to grow out of that trying to become like him and just resting in the gift that God has given to me. And interestingly, we form an incredible team when we go to the nations. There are things they will ask him. Teach this. He said, no, go get my son. He'll do a better job. And there are things they'll say, hey, come teach. I say, no, go get my dad. Why? Because we believe in ourselves not as comparing ourselves with ourselves is not we become foolish but complementing each other so that the name of jesus is glorified if it's about him it's not about us if it's about us it's not about him number four develop a vision in your obscure season go out with that vision daily when no one recognizes you when no one believes in you that's when to craft your vision when God called Paul, what happened? The Bible says he went to the desert of Arabia where he got the revelation. In your obscure season, that's when to craft the vision. A compelling vision. He didn't go about complaining to the worthless man. You know I was driven. You know I was driven. You know I was driven. Oh, I was driven. Didn't you know I was driven? Was I not driven? Driven was I not. He didn't say that. You know, if he had told those guys he was driven, they would never follow him. But he developed a vision. He started fighting in his obscure season. What are you practicing with? I like what my brother said. When opportunity comes, will you be ready? It wasn't the day that they needed David in the palace that he started practicing to sing. Who was David playing the harp for in the wilderness? Who was he playing the harp for? Who knows? Sheep. Have you ever tried having sheep as backup? What are you practicing daily? What are you practicing in your season of obscurity? What vision wakes you up from the bed? One thing I realize is that when the day of opportunity shows up you will only have to do what you have been doing before you won't have to do anything different are you following what i'm saying you need to have a compelling vision something in your moment of obscurity you need to craft your vision at the backside of the desert God will not waste his resources on visionless people. 
a compelling vision. What do you do in the silent years? Sorry, I'm going to use my dad a lot this morning. I hope you don't mind. But if you have in mind, you have no option. Just listen. My dad's got pains that is right here. He's got some pains right up to this point. And you know the reason he's got those pains? Because when he started ministry, he used to write outlines with his hands, right? Write outlines. I'll go for the copy for him and all that. And he wrote over a thousand pages with his hands. And so many years after, he's feeling the effect of that. He used to do his voicing, his recording in the studio and all that. But this is why I brought that story. All his books he's publishing today, he didn't write them today. He wrote them way back. All the books, all of his books today, none was written today. And you know, people get a hold of those books and are like, wow, we are blessed, we are blessed. But those books were crafted in the days of obscurity. What are you crafting that when the opportunity shows up, you just pull up and say, I had this done. When they say, we're looking for, they, we're looking for somebody to play the harp, David did not say, let me quickly sign up with Sister IJ. Let her teach me quickly. No! What happened? David said, I can play. Let's go for it. The day of showing forth is not the day of preparation. The day they will say, we need you, is not the day to say, I want to get ready. What's the Boy Scout motto, if any of you remember? Huh? Be ready. Be prepared. Always ready. Whatever version of the Bible you're using to read the Boy Scout motto. Always ready. NIV. Be prepared. King James. <laughs> I'm just joking. Be ready. Live ready. Live ready. Live as if, uh, as if this is the day that that job is going to come. Never let life catch you unprepared. Hone your craft. Get your business registered. Open a corporate account. Have you not seen people when they say, okay, bring your papers. Let's go do contracts. That's when they start running around. Can I use your paper? Can I use your paper? Oh, can I use your company? And the person who you want to use his company, just for later headed, says I'll take 20%. What disciplined five years ago would have saved you from? Have you, do you have a registered company? No, sir. When the contract comes, how much, why can't you go and labor to register your company? Why are you so unprepared about life? You say, oh, I sell electrical parts. How much is this? I don't know. Okay, call somebody to find out next tomorrow. You are not ready. Everybody around me that walks around me, when they tell me stuff, I, talk, I say, give me facts. I want numbers. Numbers show you already. How much do you have? About 10,000. There's nothing like about 10,000. Is that is 10 or 95 or 9,000? Be ready. Don't second guess life. Put your acts together. Prepare for the future. And prepare now. Number five. Perfect your skills in the season of obscurity. Perfect it. Perfect your skills in the season of obscurity. Sometimes in our season of obscurity or our seasons of development, we want to show forth. 
Perfect your skills. Perfect it. Go practice. Make it perfect. Go for it. Be diligent. Listen to me. Life and God is going to give you opportunity. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. I can tell you sometimes when opportunity comes and you're not ready, I'll give you an interesting story. There was one year I accompanied my dad to preach. I don't know, South Africa also. It's large international conference. Maybe like about a thousand delegates in the conference. Speakers from around the world, UK, Holland, everything. So I just followed my dad. And it was the last night of the conference. Our host, um, who my dad is submitted to, as it were, was to round up the conference. So he closes the conference every night. So I was with my dad in the front. And then the, there was a session before the last session, so the afternoon session. So he just turned to me and says, I was supposed to close this conference, but I think that uh, Maxwell should close it. <laughs> so he turned to me and said, you're going to preach tonight. When I heard those words, every message i knew in this life vanished like boom. because two things there was a large congregation this is an international conference the, 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 the last night is going to be full because everybody will be expecting him to preach so i said yes sir so when we're going uh my dad said hey come on boy what's good? i said i can't remember any message <laughs> he said today when you go up, tell them you can't remember any message. My friend, Danica, let's go. You know, so I spent time praying. I spent time praying. I just, just, and I preached that night and it was massive. That opened the nation of South Africa up. Just opened it up. But you know, if I wasn't studying, if I wasn't praying, if I wasn't preparing, probably I would have missed an opportunity. Are you ready for the future? If that money comes, do you have a plan? Is your account functional? Have you seen people, they say, we want to bless you. Send me account number. I will give you my sister's own. They are not serious. You start a ministry. I tell people, register your ministry. Get a corporate account. Serious givers will not send ministry money to your personal account. No serious person will do that. Be ready. Number six. You owe yourself the best form of personal development. Nobody told us how Jephthah learned how to fight war. I don't know how he learned. You owe yourself you're the best form of personal development. Sometimes we think that when we develop ourselves, it's for someone's good. I have stopped encouraging people to read. I have stopped it. Wait, I go, ah, can you read this book? Ah, sir, I don't have time. No, oh, no problem. It's okay. Don't have time. The day your ignorance will catch up with you, you will also not have time. Why is it that we are always looking for encouragement? There's no one to encourage me. Ah, no one to The scripture says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. You get to a point in your life where you don't require external motivation. You're self-motivated to get your dreams. EWK says, a time must come in your life when the alarm, alarm clock in your soul should wake you up. You're self-motivated. 
You owe your, yourself the best form of personal development. Invest in books that will change your life. Invest in meetings that will change your life. Stay up late to read. Stay up late to pray. Pay your price to that conference. If you're waiting for your company to always send you in training, for training, you might not be ready for the future. You know a course you need. You know something you need that will make you better. Save up the money and go for it. Pay the price for your own personal development. Go for that meeting. Read that book. Belong to the, the, to the network or the association you need to join just to glean something. Stop waiting for other people to invest in you. Stop waiting for free books. Even as a pastor, one thing I never give out free is Bible. I never give Bible free. My first amplified Bible I bought, I can't forget, that small amplified Bible was 800 naira. I worked for two months to buy that Bible. <laughs> first month, I worked for 100 naira. Second month, I worked for 100 naira. When I bought that Bible, for the first one week, I was sleeping with it. The, the fruit of my labor has arrived. You want everyone to invest in you. But you don't want to pay the price. Free transport, free seminar, free speaker, free food, free bio, free paper. You just stroll into the conference venue like this. They, say, ah, they, they don't give paper in this conference. They'll give you free bio, free paper, free this. Even free reminder to attend the conference. And you are, you are wondering why is your life not moving forward? How can it move forward? To where? Sometimes I'm amazed when we are encouraging people to take their life seriously. There are decisions you should make at certain stages of your life. Sometimes when we say people have midlife crisis, it's just confusion of purpose. They never set out to achieve anything in their life. So every year they are changing. Four years later, they are selling olive oil. The next year, they are selling coconut oil. The time they now say, oh, let's do coconut oil business. They have started selling bitcoins. They even changed their name, Maxwell Crypto. <laughs> Everywhere, once you just see anywhere people are gathered, you have moved in that direction. You don't even ask yourself, is this really what I want to do? You must define your craft. These are the things that when the supernatural power of God comes upon you, God can work on those things. You are more valuable than you think. But sometimes it might be that we're too lazy to give it our best. Increase your value in the season of obscurity. Increase your value in the season of obscurity. When it looks like nothing is going on for you, that's when to increase your value. Permit me to be a little motivational. But the, the, the story of President George Way is interesting. Just inaugurated a few days ago. When he contested. And he said, oh, he didn't have education. He went to Derry University, Miami, Florida. For eight years. Back the masters of public administration. Came back and won the election. 
You know what happened? They say, hey guy, you can't be president because you didn't go to school. You know what he said? Give me time. I'll sort it out. That's why I said I like this. In the process of time. For a man who's got a future, time will work in his favor. If you need to go back to school, go back to school. He went back to school. He didn't go about complaining, you know, this is marginalization. I played football. Ah, what is it? Education. Even Bill Gates dropped out. I've told you to stop saying that. You should ask the kind of school Bill Gates dropped out from. Just mentioning that you dropped out from this school is enough to give you employment. <laughs> that this is the admission letter. And I dropped out without going to class. They come and work. <laughs> Think he dropped out of Oboikoko University. Or he dropped out of Delta State University. Let's not use motivational speaking to suppress our laziness. If you don't know how to read and write, boy, give yourself some years. Go learn to read and write. Have you been in a place where people want to help you, but they can't help you? They, they, they can't. They say, where's your certificate? Ah, uh, five years ago, went around, entered our house. Uh, the thing are burnt. And I say, oh, why is life like this? Life now said, I'm like this. So where's the certificate? After the story, you don't have it. Five years ago, your certificate got burnt. You haven't taught it wise to go back to the school and request for a new one. And the person asking you has two days window. And to cross the water will take you one day. Then I say there's no tide. You know, life has a way of arranging that the day you will not go to the school. They say the person who is signing has not gone on leave for 10 years. He went on leave today. Everything will just show you that, listen, this opportunity, you will miss it. The vehicle you enter, nobody will enter. I mean, everything. And all life is just teaching you is, sir, you were not ready. You collected admission later. You deferred your admission. It's 10 years now. Why don't you complete it? I was talking with one of our friends and I told him, I said, listen, we've been talking about this school thing for a long time. I said, make sure you get a degree. Let the day not come when that becomes the reason why you're not given an opportunity. In South Africa right now, they're currently, well, they're, they're still talking about licensing preachers. So I was telling my dad, I was telling my dad, I said, the way Christianity is going, I said, time will come where they'll have to license preachers. I said, it's time to, to get a theology degree. Just forecasting the future. Because I, I believe the time will come. They say, oh, if you don't have a degree in theology, you can't do this. You have to be prepared for the future. You have to be prepared for the future. You have to look into the future and see what you will require and pay the price today. Because the future will surely come. How many of us were excited? 2018, our year of this, our year of that. By Wednesday, the first one month is over. You've got 11 more months. I know that's how people just bask in the excitement until they get to December and then they now say, forget it. 2019 is the final whistle. We are making it. Until they blow the final whistle. That's it. Can you blow again? <laughs> 220. You see, I mean, we'll be here before you know it to be 220, 221, 222, 223, 220, whatever, 220, whatever. Just life will just keep moving because if you don't develop yourself, life will not keep still. 
and the funny thing is when you're not working on yourself others are working on their self and someone will always take the lead do not be afraid to name your worth i like something about jephthah when they came back for him you know what he said he said see if i go with you will i become your leader so Jephthah had developed himself to a point where he was not rushing after every opportunity. I can't forget what one of my mentors, Kingsley Antti Bangwell, told me in those early days of the NGO work. I was always fascinated about, ah, I remember, <laughs> life can be funny. <laughs> you know what I'm laughing? A couple of years back, I applied for something. I was a URA ambassador for Africa, but I applied for something before I got that uh, um, um, position. And uh, they didn't give me the visa. It was Uganda visa. I remember coming from Abuja, I was crying. <laughs> ah, you know, there was this village boy. Putting to travel to Uganda for the first time. They didn't give me visa. I was crying. If I, when I remember the story now, I just get ashamed. Like, why was I crying for Uganda? But you know, many years later, I've been to Uganda severally. That is even not, I don't even think about going there again anymore. But that's what happens in life. Some of the things that look so difficult and impossible for you today, if you work on yourself in the next couple of years, it will become easy. Sometimes in ministry, I tell my young friends, they're excited to go and preach in America. They're excited to preach in Europe. They're excited to be... They're putting pressure on themselves, borrowing money to buy tickets. One day I have to ask one of them, is that country moving or will the country finish? Do you understand? I don't know whether it's correct English, but understand the English. Will you wake up one day and you say, Germany is finished. The country is no longer there. Relax. It will still be there. The only thing is that the people who are alive now probably would have died before you are able to go there. But you still meet people there. Don't put unnecessary pressure on yourself. But at the same time, when you have developed your value, don't be afraid to name your price. So I go back to that story. My mentor called me and said, did you make it? I said, no. It was an angel application. He now said, don't worry. He said, go work on yourself. When you work on yourself, they'll pay, they'll, they'll pay the price for you to go, to go wherever you want to go. So I kept doing my stuff, kept honing my craft, kept doing all the things I was doing, my workshop and all that. And I remember um, we had a World Bank Youth Forum in Brussels, in Belgium. And I applied. Someone nominated me for the meeting. So I went to Abuja to get the visa. And, of course, I didn't have anything there, nothing. I didn't even know how to, I mean, all the visa requirements. I just feel the form the best. I, when I dropped it, they said, oh, we can't give you the visa. I said, why? So I called them. Um, in U.S. then, the, the board was from Washington. And they said, oh, um, they didn't give you the visa. I said, no. So they said, don't worry. Go back next week. They'll give it to you. So I went back the next week. They gave me the visa. So when I got to the forum in Brussels, I asked them what happened. They said, no, that they called them, that I'm the only Nigerian delegate in that conference. So there's nothing they can do. They have to give me the visa. That's value. When you are pressing for so many things and it's not going forth easily, when there's too much of human strength involved, know that you still need to increase your value. Those of you who work in the corporate um, environment, you know how they treat consultants, right? It's like they are the ones that name their price. I want to stay here. I want to sleep here. I want to do this. I want... Even you will be getting angry. What is it? Are you not a human being like us? Is a human being like you but with different values? Don't be afraid to say this is what I'm worth. You must come to a point in your life where it's not every invitation you take. It's not every trip you take. It's not every meeting you go. It's not even every conference you attend. You must know at this stage, 
this is it it's only for you in the business world you can't keep charging the same amount 10 years you have been charging you must learn to put your worth i love the fact that jephthah could name his price he says listen if i go with you i will be your leader and he said ah god is our witness when you have increased your value you determine your own wages is this scriptural absolutely look at the life of uh, jacob laban told him i know by experience what since you came i've been blessed what did laban tell him name your wages the man said i'm not naming i'm leaving you know if you go and tell your boss now that you are leaving they will organize their thanksgiving for you are you leaving say well, today say okay no problem just call one artist want to thank you for 10 years of meritorious service if all you leave a company with is an artistic production of twenty-five thousand, you need to think twice increase your value so that even if you are jokingly saying you want to leave people are saying let's look for a way to retain you it's not when you say you want to leave they say ah god has answered our prayers don't just occupy space in life be worth a bit more be worth a bit more let your friends know that this guy has value let people be able to count on you are you still here i can't hear you are you still here evaluation questions five of them then i'll give you four abilities to develop and then we'll close evaluation questions number one what are you developing yourself to become in the season of obscurity what are you developing yourself to become in the season of obscurity number two who are you blaming for your situation who are you blaming for your situation some of you are blaming spirits hmm? household enemies sometimes you now ask yourself that those who have been successful are the household enemies not seeing them you don't have a job you don't have a good house you are not eating well you say spirits are after you if the spirits catch you what will they feast on eh? <laughs> you don't know that when you are confused the devil can't fight you because he will not even know where to fight you from i mean that's the thing i just think look at successful people out there why are the spirits not after them he said they have seen my star which star People saw Jesus star and came to worship him. They are saying your own star. They want to kill you. It's called the wrong things we've been taught. We blame spirits all the time. Look at a country like a Buddhist country and countries that practice Shintoism like Japan and China. And look at the massive developments that's going on in those nations. You know, we pray every day. We pray even when we're supposed to be at work. We come back. We go for all night. We come back from all night. We do midnight prayer. We drink olive oil. We tie handkerchief around ourselves. We eat coconut. Whatever. Whatever. We just get something, get something, get something. And then you, you, you announce that, well, in 10 years' time, we're going to start producing pencils. And you ask yourself, should that come out of your mouth? You will just hear some. I mean, sometimes when you go on social media, you have funny. You just say, ah, a man in Anambra just built um, a car with bamboo. Let's celebrate him. I'm like, 2018 
People are already talking of electric cars. You are saying we should celebrate a man. I mean, it's good that he built a car with bomb. The man was just engaging himself. Let's talk about better things. You are a prayer warrior, but there's no progress. Because you're praying with a lot of ignorance, fighting spirits that don't exist. Somebody say, oh, pastor, are you saying that there are no wicked people? The scripture says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of my en- in your enemies. My focus is on the table. The one who prepares the table takes care of the enemies. You should be ashamed to still say that people are after you. Don't be saying it. After 20 years of Christianity, the world is a wicked place. Make it good. That's why God dropped you here. People are wicked. Be kind. Show them how to be good human beings. Who are you blaming for your situation? Are you blaming yourself? Are you blaming someone? Are you blaming spirits? Number three. Would we meet you in the next five years the same way we're living you today? In the next five years, are we going to meet you the same way we're living you today? What would you add to your life in the next five years? Some more body weight? (laughs) What are you going to add to your life? Would you have increased in your understanding of scriptures? Would you have increased in your prayer life? There's nothing like hanging around people who are not growing. It can be frustrating. I was talking with a friend of mine when I decided to go to, to, to go back and started studying theology. And I said, two of my friends around me just encouraged, not like they encouraged me to go back to school, but being around them and I just saw, oh, this one took this opportunity, went to school. This one took this opportunity, went to school. It's like, ah, these guys are getting better. I just took up the challenge. Of course, it fitted with my vision, but it was encouraging. And when I shared it with both of them, they were like, oh, fine, go for it. Ah, it is good, go for it. You know, if they hadn't gone, when you shared with them, what would they say? Ah, no, man of God, you're anointed now. Go to a mountain. To a mountain. It's not school now. It's not English. Do you know that? Because sometimes when people haven't done what you want to do, they have a way of discouraging you so you can all be at the same level. That's why you need to watch exactly what is the motivation from people advising you. Have you seen young people who are not married? When they are talking about marriage, they say, ah, marriage is... Even people who are entering, looking for a way to come out, we should enter with care. Scared. Eh? So that's the harassment. He knows why he's laughing. I'll be harassing him. All the young boys around me are getting married now. So Gideon should be next. We should look for a wife for him. See, they are clapping for you already and it's not your wedding day. You need to, we'll look for a wife and then make you choose. Okay. I'm going to keep this in the message so that when you play the message, you'll still hear it. Your name will go around the world that you're looking for a wife. Okay. <laughs> if the opportunities of greatness come to you today, do you think you are ready? Not just do you think, are you ready? If that opportunity comes and say, hey, we need you. When Joseph was called to the palace, what happened? He was ready with the solution. When Daniel was called to the palace, he was ready with the solution. Are you ready to take the future? <laughs> I, remember, I remember one young man we were talking one time. And we were talking, ah, oh, Nigeria problem. I said, Nigeria problem. I said, okay, if you become a senator, what will you do? He said, my brother is prayer. It's prayer. Prayer. He will pray that and say, look at you. Look at you. 
<laughs> you are the type that God will be resisting strongly not to, because you will just destroy things. When I look at our Senate chambers, I pray that God will raise men that are passionate about governance. When you see videos spreading of your senator dancing in party, having fun, how can this man make a policy for the betterment of people? Just grooving, enjoying life. And you see senators elsewhere are reading, are studying. When you hear a senator talk from another country, you want to listen. And when you share our own senators, you want to laugh. If we share it for jokes, oh God, see your senator catching fun in the party. It's a sad state. But the question is this. In the next couple of years, the window is going to turn. These people will not live forever. It will come to our own time. Are we going to be ready when the time comes? We will govern. We would lead. The buttons will change hands. But we need to be ready. Are you running with a vision or you're being driven by circumstance? The fifth question. Are you running with a vision or a circumstance that is driving you? Four abilities to cultivate. And we wrap up. Four abilities to cultivate. Number one, you must cultivate the ability of separation and drafting a compelling vision. A time must come in your life where you must separate to draft the vision of your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Separate from people. I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened. And please pay attention to this. I'll wrap up shortly. When I was called into ministry, full-time ministry, when I left youth service and I wanted to go into full-time ministry, one of the things I did was to disconnect with a lot of my schoolmates, a lot of my classmates. I just connected with young preachers and young missionaries. You know what happened? You know why, why I did that? Because at that time, I needed to keep that as the center of my vision. I remember, I cannot forget one day. I was working in Waridan. I, I went on visitation or something. I was trekking, sweating. You know how you go on those visitations that the scripture when, when the Bible says that if you give a cup of cold water, you will know why you lose your reward. You understand the meaning of that scripture. You won't need Greek. Just when you need cold water. And this, my friend, just drove past with a care car. We're classmates and parked. They used to call me Reverend in school. Say, ah, Reverend, where are you trekking to? Ah. So I told him. And he carried, you know, took me in the car. AC just blowing everywhere. That day, I, I can't. I mean, I thought about my life. I said, Lord, Lord God, you are the one I'm serving. Why are you like this? <laughs> Do you understand? But imagine just that moment. Ah, you just thought, if I had a job now. If, you know, a lot of things would be. Then he was married then. I was not married. A lot of things would just flash through your mind. But I mean, God has done some marvelous things in our life. But imagine if I was riding with them from when I left school. I'm not sure I'll be in ministry today. A time must come where you separate yourself from people that would make it look like you don't have a future. You pull yourself back and you develop a compelling vision that can withstand the test of time. I like something my mentor, Pastor Banky, used to say. He said at a point, his mother looked at him and says, oh, you haven't built houses. You haven't done this. Your friends have built houses. Your friends have done this. He said he now told his mother that are my friends preaching the gospel? <laughs> are people downloading my friends' messages? <laughs> Do you understand? What was he trying to say? He was just saying, mother will call differently. And we had the privilege to spend the Christmas holidays with him. You need to see his house. Beautiful place. These things are times and seasons. 
The fact that you're driving now doesn't mean you won't drive forever. The fact that you're not traveling, not traveling now doesn't mean you won't travel. The, type, the fact that we're pastoring a church of a few hundred doesn't mean we won't pastor churches that thousands of people will come and attend. These things are times and seasons. And the times and the seasons are in his hands. All we need to do is to be faithful. We don't kill ourselves because we're not where we need to be. We develop and cultivate the things we need to cultivate today and we'll get there. The ability to maximize relationship. You must learn to relate to all kinds of people. Jephthah related to people he would call worthless. Number three, the ability of self-motivation, self-development, and assumption of self-responsibility. Number four, the ability to lead people and to improve your leadership skill. You must learn the ability to work with people. You must learn the ability to lead people. You must learn the ability to relate to all kinds of people. Self-development, self-responsibility. The future is calling us. From next month, I'll be dealing with more theological issues on the role of fivefold ministers. But listen, I want to challenge you. Make the best of this year. Make the best of this year. Don't remain on one spot. Go for it. Go for it. Let us, when we get to December 31st, be able to look back and say, hey, we did something with this year. Don't let the next 11 months pass without increasing your value. Discipline yourself. Write a book. Mentor a young person. Pray more. Give more. Stretch yourself. Build your capacity. Don't go out of this world without giving something back. You're worth much more. Don't just settle for new cars, new houses, new trips. Do something that will change the world. Make the world a better place. Give back to this world. Engage your goals. Stretch your mind. Praise the name of the Lord. Be a better husband. Be a better wife. Be a better child. Contribute more. There's so many problems in the world. We're not going to be part of it. We're going to be the solution. I speak over your life. That in the name of Jesus. Your future is brighter than your past. God is bringing people your way. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are going to be influential in the name of Jesus. God is giving you responsibility. Doors of opportunities are being opened up unto you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the time God is true with you. The world will be amazed in the name of Jesus. From this very place, God will raise up world changers and history makers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will give you a voice that the enemy will not be able to contend. In the mighty name of Jesus, the nations of the earth are opened up unto you for massive influence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say this over you. God said to Abraham, I will make your name great. I speak over you. God will invest in your name. And your name will become great. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be a joy of many generations. You will be a joy of many generations. Everything that stops your potential. Today, your eyes are open to it. And you are becoming a valuable person in the name of Jesus. Just like Jephthah, everywhere you have been mocked, 
every nation that have denied you visas everywhere you have gone to and people have turned you back because of your in court worthlessness God is causing it in such a way that those same people are going to come for you. Those same nations are going to come for you. Those same opportunities are going to come for you. And when they come, you are going to be the one to set the terms. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, God is changing the bargaining power. You are not the one with the authority to determine what you will earn. The spirit of poverty is cursed in your life in the name of Jesus God is releasing wealth to you God is releasing influence to you God is releasing opportunities to you the word of God says he takes the poor from the dunghill and set them among princes God is taking you from that low level living and putting you in a place of excellence you are rising you are shining because your light has come and by the power of the spirit kings are coming to the brightness of your rising kings are coming to the brightness of your rising I said kings are coming to the brightness of your rising the nobles of this world are coming into the brightness of your rising in the name of Jesus your days of being in Lodeba are over you will be summoned to the king's table your gift will make room for you your abilities will make room for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ God brought us here for a purpose we're not here to always live the low life people will not always be the ones determining what will happen in our life God is putting us in positions of authority. God is exalting us. God said to Joshua, Today, I'll exalt you in the nation of Israel. Today, someone's exaltation has come in the name of Jesus. Today, someone's lifting has come in the name of Jesus. For someone in this service, your days of preparation has been recognized. The days of your summoning are here. The days of your summoning are here in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May there be rapid successions of favor in your life. May there be unending circles of favor in your life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.